other worlds for the first time. I could inspire you with fear, with rage, or creative genius. So why? Why does my voice break through dimensions? <laughs> no idea. Only the businessmen really know the answer, and uh, right, right. I come to speak about my world, stories from my world, a world called ephemera. The connection is still weak, but soon the separation between our worlds will balance out and the fractal generators will synchronize. You know, it doesn't matter. My name is... And until next time... I'll talk to you soon. I didn't see you there. I don't know if you know this, but you've joined the Raconteur Collection, Chapter 14. Our wonderful intro music is provided by Tyler Cunningham. This podcast is about almost everything, and about nothing at the same time. I'm always joined by, or hopefully will always be joined by, my co-host and co-podcaster, and Jack, introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Jack, and Charlie, I think you said the same thing twice. Yeah, I know. I was trying to think, because, like, <laughs> co-host doesn't sound as good, like, because it's like, oh, I guess we're both co-hosts, but I didn't want to make it seem like, oh, hey, like, this is my podcast, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I was trying to think of something, because co-host makes it sound like you're just joining in, but I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, man. Reoc- man, how reoccurring. You, uh... Reoccurring? Yeah. Always reoccurring, always happening.
Um, in our three dimensional view of time, how have you been, man? You, you know, I've been. I know it's been. It's been a while since we recorded one or even chatted, but it's been busy. You know, obviously yeah. Christmas has passed. The mm-hmm. today is the thirty first of December, so you know New Year's coming around Today's the corner. This episode, yeah, you know the yeah. backlog. Um, and I've been busy. I've started working again. Um, I'm working at a warehouse. Mm. Working at a warehouse right now. So, you know, yeah. up for like ten, eleven hours at night. You know, Monday through Thursday. Yeah, just uh, throwing boxes on a conveyor belt, basically. So it's a lot of fun. But I mean, I mean, it, yeah. it's it's easy. It's just it's kind of showing me how out of shape I am. So hopefully the shop will get me back in shape. Mm. How about you? How, how are, are you allowed doing? to like listen to? Oh, I'm doing good. Um, I was just gonna say, are you allowed to like listen to music or yes. podcasts yes, or whatever? I am. Oh, okay, that's good. See that that for me that would be that saves a deal breaker. It. Like, yeah, if I exactly. Couldn't... Yeah. Um, yeah, but to get back to your question, I'm in good. I know I'm trying to think the last episode we recorded was all about tangents. Which and we hope you guys enjoyed. We hope you enjoyed and you know. I think that one I actually I liked recording that one, but it'll be interesting to see what the reception is. Definitely. Um, definitely. You know, I've been good. Before we could do a little bit of housekeeping, uh I came down, I got, I contracted COVID from work. Um, I luckily had Very a pretty fun. mild case, kind of just like congested. And I, and I know we were talking about that in the last episode. So I think it's kind of funny that it, it happened, uh, kind of just congested and achy, um, lasted for me probably, I would say like a whole week, but like only about like maybe a day and a half of that week was, I was like, man, I don't feel good. Yeah. But that like- was my case. I know. I mean, I've seen people on my Instagram that have had been hospitalized and stuff like that. So, yeah, you know, if you have it, if you don't have it, lose whatever. their taste and all that kind of stuff for however long. And yeah, that would be, I, I realized, strange. yeah, I realized only afterwards I kind of lost my uh, smell. Like, really? Kate was showing me this, like, uh, this, like, peppermint oil. And I was like, I can't smell that at all. <laughs> uh oh. So, but it's been slowly coming back. Um, so, and I haven't felt, like you know no symptoms or anything good probably good. in about a week so well i'm glad yeah, it's been crazy glad been crazy doing good yeah um so everyone you know stay safe out there and while you're staying safe out there we always have to remind you that the racketeer collection has a patreon i haven't checked it recently i'm assuming we haven't got any new ones right now we just have three people who are contributing yeah, three people. um jack will be checking we have our aunt becky we have michael and jack henry who you may know from the recently released last of us part two podcast which was what a joy and i mean i was listening to that one again you know just for because i know we were kind of up in the air about like uh like like quality which you know we're all about quality here at the racketeer collection but oh yeah yeah so you know Um, Thank you so much to those people who do support us. And if you do want to support us, uh, that is the place to do it. If you ever want to have any questions or if you want us to, you know, if you want to suggest a topic right now with our small audience, you can literally just message us on Instagram, Facebook, and, you know, you have the chance to like shape the journey of the Racketeer Collection, which is, yeah, very much so. It's just fun. 
The feedback is always appreciated. You know, we love to improve any way we can. Obviously, there's some things on the back end, you know, that we can, you know, improve as yeah. like, such as microphones, the mixing software, all that kind of stuff. But for now, I think we're doing a pretty okay job. So that's way in the future. Um, so Jack yes sir our topics got moved around a little bit but for the listener this topic I think will fall kind of in line with any of our anybody who knows us personally or anybody who's a fan of video games maybe not anybody because I know there are some people who don't like this particular I guess it's now a genre of game but we're going to be talking about the start of a genre today we're going to be talking about Demons Souls. Demons which, Souls. It does sound like that. Demons Souls. Um it was actually really fun to do some I was doing some research today before we started recording mm-hmm. just to get some info out there. But uh today it's going to be a deep dive into Demon Souls kind of the game that started the whole you know, Souls, Soulsborn genre, the game that it's so, you know, that's recently as of what this last November got a really cool looking remake. Haven't had the chance to play it yet. Yeah. But, uh, a game that's great, you know, thankfully kind of coming back into the limelight because Demon Souls is kind of locked away on the PlayStation 3. And, uh, you know, not a lot of people played it. A lot of people played Dark Souls, the follow up to it. So it's. It's really cool to see it kind of come back, especially since I'm so fond of that game. I mean, it's a game that Jack and I, we did a video series over that got to like, what, episode 12 or... That's like 15? 15? Yeah, but that's a good series. If you guys want to really like good. see Jack and I do some gameplay stuff, go check that out because it's uh, it's really good. There's some... I know we've talked about it before, but there's some good stuff in there. Some good editing, some good... Honestly, like it's just Jack and I goofing around. It's it's, like it's we peak do here. humor. So peak humor. Peak humor. So we're gonna go ahead and jump right into it. Dive into it. We're gonna go ahead and let's jump right into it. Get our soul separated from our body, falling into the nexus. We're going to walk into the colorless fog. <laughs> <sighs> So, uh, to start us off here, I just collected some just basic information, some of which, um, of course, people have probably heard before, but nevertheless, I think it is very interesting. So, Demon's Souls was released all the way back in February 5th, 2009 in Japan, Jeez. and then October 6th of the same year in North America. Um, interestingly, it had a really troubled development of course it comes from the company from software who i don't have a lot of experience with other than playing like eternal ring and some of the armored core games um originally yeah demon souls was designed to be kind of a spiritual successor to their kingsfield games but never played kingsfield um so you know that's great but from software of course has a lot of other games before this but mm-hmm. i think this is probably the title that most people or not the title but like the genre that most people associate with them now is uh the souls games and it all started with demon souls yep i would um, agree 
yeah, it had a lot of development trouble early on, and then Hideka Miyazaki took over the project. And was because it had was having trouble, they had a lot of creative freedom. And famously, they had a 2008 demo that was shown to the press. And Jack, do you, would you think it got positive or negative feedback very, from that demo? Very negative feedback is what I would Very imagine. negative. The president of, uh, I don't know, Sony Worldwide Studios, forgive me if I got that title wrong, uh, Shuhei Yoshida <laughs> said it was a horrible and unplayable game. Wow. And they were playing like a pretty close to a final build of the game. I know. So it's kind of crazy that this game, you know, this game that would go on to be such a big moment for this company was mm-hmm. not looking good. Like it was, it saw when it came out, it saw like, it was, it was so bad that like Sony passed on it when they asked, you know, for publishing it outside of uh, Japan and publishing it like in America and Europe. Yeah. So that's when, and so that's why it's published by Atlas, correct? Or no? Correct. Yeah. Um, like, so the game came out, can't, saw mild success in Japan, um, but then really it hit critical and commercial success in the West. And, you know, of course, because of that, success speaks to success. And Demon Souls was followed by Dark Souls, Dark Souls 2, Bloodborne, Dark Souls 3, Sekiro. And while not a from software game itself, the Demon Souls remake, as we talked about earlier, was released in November 2020 alongside the PlayStation 5. So, you know, it's so weird to look back on the history of this game and to have to have it be so negative because it's like, can you imagine a world where this game just never came out because people were like, it's crap, it's garbage, we don't yeah. want this game. <laughs> I mean, I, I remember this game so fondly, you know, so it's weird mm-hmm. that the initial response to it from a lot of people are just like, it's horrible, it's unplayable, like, I don't want to play this, you know, that's weird to me, I just don't. Mm-hmm. I, I wish that uh, its initial rea- its initial thoughts were a lot more positive. But I mean, yeah, you know, we're here now, and it's basically kind of like a, it's a little piece of history. Right. It kind of revitalized that whole genre of just like really difficult game. Yeah, and I would say you know single handedly because of course you know I played a lot of games not really on the PlayStation One even though we had one. Um, we played a lot of stuff on the PlayStation Two, mm-hmm. and so you know specifically this game and every game that's followed, I've always played because of I just love the way these games feel and their atmosphere and like this stretches across all of their titles. Yes, or all of their more recent titles, kind of in that genre. Like it's. It's something really special that I kind of hold other games up to, um, especially because I never really got like, I mean, Jack, I'll let you talk in a second about like shooters, but I never got into shooters, of course. I mean, I played, you know, Modern Warfare, the first one, I guess it's weird to say, Call of Duty 4 when it came out, um, and a little bit of multiplayer here and there, a little bit of Warzone, a little bit of Fortnite, but like I always hit, I always kind of plateaued pretty fast on those games and hit that like skill ceiling where I was like, I, I'd rather just play more of like a dark souls game or like, you know, a smaller, you know, Stardew Valley I'd rather play. So it really sets the tone for a lot of things I enjoy now. And of course it's spawned so many other great games that definitely it's almost kind of oversaturated now, which is weird to think about. Yeah. Cause I think definitely without demon souls and dark souls, we wouldn't have Neo which is like 
very highly praised. Yeah. I haven't really played it, but you know, from what I've seen, what I've heard, it's it's yeah. up there. It's from, from what people say. Um, and I'm sure there are a few others that yeah. I'm not remembering at the moment. But it definitely like playing a game like Demon Souls is a lot different than a shooter because you know, in shooters you're just obviously you're most of the time facing like other actual people. So you kind of mm-hmm. like have that feeling of well, oh, I gotta play a lot, gotta play a lot, gotta play a lot. Whereas in Demon Souls. You do have to play a lot, but you can kind of choose when you want to play a lot. And you can always kind of go back yeah. and, you know, like, you know, get the rust off and all that kind of fun stuff. So definitely is yeah. a lot more relaxed in that sense as to, you know, you're not pressured to get on every single day if you don't have to. But I mean, I know that, right. I know that you and I did when we were playing this mm-hmm. game. So, yeah, it's definitely it really fits like kind of you know fit like a glove my personal play style like uh that slow methodical approach to things it really rewards that and you know that approach is what i learned in demon souls which then i carried over to dark souls you know and so but demon souls was you know i guess as they say that's where i cut my teeth at which god that's a weird thing to say i was thinking about how weird that was before i said it but um so so for some interesting digging i actually went back through my trophy history because of course i platinumed uh demon souls i think the only one of their souls born i haven't platinum is sekiro and i think i don't know why i never did sekiro was was a little bit of a different game but you know Mm -hmm. so i went back and i found that i beat the first boss so the phalanx which we'll get into the bosses and stuff here later but uh I got that trophy January 1st, 2020. So, I mean, we got that game late December, early January, or sorry, early January, not 2020, uh, 2010, excuse me. Yeah, I was like, 2020, Charlie? <laughs> 2020, I played it just a little, no, um, 2010, excuse me. So, 10 years ago, basically, which is, I thought, kind of strange. I was like, that's weird. Like, <laughs> Like, around this time, 10 years ago. This is when I was, you know, first going through Demon Souls. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jack, that was you know I remember being exposed to it through our cousin Michael, which, you know, I remember him playing it and watching it and kind of just being like, "What is this game?" Like it wasn't really anything like what I had played before. What was your initial you know opinion of this game when you first saw it? Yeah, first so played it really. I want to say like I definitely, um, when I first saw it, it would think I think our uncle was playing it. He was playing as a priest, and so the first thing I saw of the game was him running down the the ramparts and then getting burned by that dragon. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Excuse me," yeah. you know. And then he runs inside, eats some grass, yeah. and then goes down and kills some enemies and then gets shot from behind and some dogs jump out. And I was like, Oh my God, there's so much going on. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it looked a lot different than basically anything I had played up, up until that point. And it looked very immersive. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, Hey, yeah, when can I hop on and try this? You know, cause that, that's what anyone would do if they saw that, you know, you want to get, bur- you want to get yeah. burned by a dragon or not. So, you know, I would definitely say that my initial reaction to this game was uh, very positive, unlike the critics. 
it looked really difficult and yeah. that's what i no, same that's here. what I was, I was like yeah i want to play something that's going to be challenging well and i think because of that like for me so it's interesting looking at when it came out so it came out you know october 6th of 2009 and we played you know i got the first trophy in uh you know first of january 2010 so like it wasn't that long before you know we got our hands on it and yeah like it it was just very intriguing. It wasn't like Resistance or Uncharted or, you know, any of the other games we played on our uh, PlayStation 3. It very much felt like you were just stepping into the shoes of this world and, like, just being like, what What can I do? How can I survive? And, yeah, it was... I mean, I was hooked, like, immediately. So. And then... Another interesting bit of, like, I guess, trivia is I got the platinum for it uh, September 9th of 2010. Wow. And then then to, like, I guess kind of get, like, the dates right in my head, uh, Dark Souls came out September 22nd, uh, 2011. And Dark Souls came out after? What? Like, Dark Souls came out that soon after Demon's Souls? Yeah, so, like... There was about a year, like after I had completely gone through Neiman Souls and I guess for you know mastered it, uh, I because I remember looking forward to Dark Souls and pre-ordering that game because I was mm-hmm. I was like, oh man, yeah, of course. And so yeah, that's I mean, that's it. That's kind of like a for an overview and setting like the stage. 2010, so when I graduated high school, and so that was like prime video game time. You know, like really before I was working a lot and you know, still Jack and I still shared a room like, Oh, that was, you know, fun. that was, I remember, you know, demon souls being a big thing. And so Jack, if, if you want to add anything to the overview, you can before we kind of like delve. Well, I'm, you know, I'm looking uh, demon souls has a kind of nice structure, but yeah, I'm, I'm looking at uh my trophy list for my old account that I first yeah. played it on. Um, yeah, I'm trying to find it here. Uh, the Phalanx, I got that on the 7th of January, 2010. Okay. Yeah, so we were playing it right around the same yeah. time. And then I got <laughs> False King, Storm King, Old Monk, Manastrea, and, well, yeah, those four all on January 31st. <laughs> all the same day. On the same day. 8.20 p.m., uh, 9.11 p.m., 10.37 and 1057 <laughs> that's great Jeez. yeah it's uh yeah this is a really um i mean you can tell we played this so much i mean if you if any of our listeners go and watch the gameplay series jack and charlie play uh demon souls you'll definitely see that we we love this game and we played it so much i mean it, we played it enough to where when we're playing through it Jack and I are literally like bantering about things and you know it's so this game is like I'm so excited to be able to play the remaster and kind of experience it with like a new fresh new coat of paint because it looks amazing frankly um frankly yeah. so frankly <laughs> the way you said that, I'm to, yeah, dive, to dive into it so for those who don't know said so Demon Souls is a third person action adventure game kind of known for its difficulty 
Um, mm-hmm. And difficulty as in you, the game is not one of those games where you can just run around and kind of hack and slash your way. It's not very forgiving. And it's definitely makes you, I, I'm struggling to say that it's hard because of course I do think there is a level of difficulty there, but I think a lot of it more comes from not knowing what to expect and not knowing how the game wants you to play. Because mm-hmm. once you fall into the loop of how the game wants you to play, of course there are still going to be uh, roadblocks and things that are difficult because they kind of make you rethink how you're playing or do things in a slightly different way. But once you kind of get down that methodical approach to where you're keeping your distance, you're managing your stamina, you're, you know, upgrading your stats, right? You're, you know, you see your characters getting stronger along with the enemies. The game, I wouldn't say is that hard, which I don't know. Jack, do you think that's like a controversial thing to say? Like if somebody heard me say that, like, Oh, Hey, Demon's Souls isn't well, that hard. When I think back on it, you know, going back 10 years when I first played it. So we were what? I was 16, 16, 16, 15 around that time. And you know, it's, I'm sure like it was hard, but I never really found myself getting stuck anywhere. Like Mm -hmm. I got to come back to this, you know, it was just kind of like, Oh, I died a couple times here, but I got through like no big deal. Like, and that's kind of how it's been for, all the souls games and for my experience is that the games have been difficult, but they've never been like, Oh my God, like this is, you know, just so impossible for me to do. Yeah. I've never felt that except, except for the bloodborne DLC on new game five. (laughs) When you, me and, uh, have, we're all trying to kill Ludwig and I, (laughs) he just one shot all of us all the time. And, Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I could definitely, you know, it speaks to that. Like, it's it's so interesting thinking back to, you know, some people's first experience was Dark Souls. And going into Dark Souls, I feel like you and I had the tools that we needed. And so that game was not as daunting. Like, when I think, like, there are parts in Demon's Souls that I think very much verge on like the unfair part. Um, and they're just things like the first stage in the Valley of Defilement. In fact, that a lot of places in that area are just designed to be like frustrating and for the enemies yeah. to like poison you and push you off edges. And everything is like set up in such a way to where it's just kind of difficult to like traverse, you know? So there are of course exceptions, but yeah, like, it's, it's weird to think back to a time where it's like, man, I didn't know how to play these games. I mean, I only really felt roadblocked by one of the games in Sekiro when I was very, like, learning how to, the game wanted me to play it. And then when I finally got it, it was just like, like oh, yeah, okay. Uh-huh. Which, you know, and it's, it's really satisfying. Yeah, for sure. So, Demon Souls. And, of course, you guys... You guys, listeners, you will probably hear me say demon souls and demons souls. Uh, please don't. That's please don't get on to me for that. I I can't always be very personally like demons souls. Demons souls souls. Um, it takes place in the kingdom of Boletaria. 
which during the ancient times, due to a misuse of magic known as the soul arts, allowed Boletaria to be attacked by a being called the Old One, and the whole world was nearly consumed by a colorless deep fog and soul-eating demons that the fog created. Uh, the Old One was then lulled to slumber by these beings called Monumentals, and it was kind of, you know, the world stabilized until this King Alant reopened the soul arts and caused, you know, the, the old one to stir and the colorless deep fog back into the land, which is kind of, and this colorless deep fog surrounds the kingdom of Boletaria. So not the whole world, but kind of on the verge. Mm-hmm. Um, from there, you're kind of a character that just goes into the deep fog. Uh, one thing I really like about this game is that there's not a lot of story to it. There's definitely story there, but as you're playing the game, it doesn't it doesn't matter. Like yeah. the game is very much the story and the setting is there to create like a mood and an atmosphere way more than it is to tell like this comprehensive lore. Which you know, I do think the lore of the game is cool and there are of course, I mean anybody in kind of the Souls community now, like there are people who dissect the games, who go into character backstories and all that stuff is really cool. But what I always liked is how all of that was additive and not required to enjoy the game. Mm-hmm. You know, you didn't need to know why this guy was trapped in the Nexus or it was just the game was like, okay, this is that. If you want to dig deeper, you can, but this is the world and this is just the way things are. And that's that's always been really inspiring to me. I mean, especially in my creative endeavors, you know, just kind of displaying something in a way to where players have to accept it and they can dig deeper, but you don't have to dig deeper. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And so you, your player, you have full customization. You can make your character like an ugly little, you know, cretin person, or you can, you know, spend hours creating the perfect, I don't know. Hey there face as Jack and I like to say. Hey there. Um, <laughs> But yeah, you see, your character gets trapped into the Nexus. I mean, I guess to step back, Jack, what do you remember from the tutorial of the game? You, like A tutorial, I guess, in quotes. Besides all like of it? Like the opening section. <laughs> I mean, like what stands out to you? <laughs> I mean, the first thing that stood out to me from what I can remember is just the weight of your character. Because I think I chose a knight when I first played. And so the weight of your character, like, just when they moved, the sound they made, and, like, trudging through the water was definitely something that I was like, this is already super cool, you know? And you find Mm -hmm. your first enemy and throw your shield up, king, you know, that kind of stuff. Like, the initial fights, however easy they are, are super, they were super fun, Um, you know? And then, like, you teleport to the next area, and you fight a few more dudes, and then there are those... The knights with the like blue fire eyes or whatever, those guys always stick out to me. Yeah, I mean, how can you not forget the yeah, king, king? You know, <laughs> like who could not yeah. forget? And then of course, yeah, classically ends with the uh, was it is it the gray demon or van- the vanguard? Yeah, the, it's like that gray demon. Oh, it's the van. I think it's called the vanguard. Yeah, and I mean, I did not beat that on my first try. Because, you know, I was like, excuse yeah. me, but it was definitely... Yeah, the game... It was fun. Yeah, it definitely gets you in. 
and then it kind of introduces very quickly that there are going to be things that are going to give you a run for your money. I don't know, and you know, famously, as with like a lot of these tutorial games, um, or these tutorial like openings, there is like a little bit of hidden stuff within the tutorial. Like you could actually beat this Vanguard demon if you knew what you were doing. And it's funny because I think kind of what was so eye-opening about the game is, you know, playing through it a bunch and then saying, oh, hey, I'm kind of stuck here. I'm going to start over or and then playing the beginning again. And just with your knowledge of the way the game worked, Mm -hmm. you could kind of very easily beat the Vanguard and get to the little secret part where your character encounters the Dragon King and gets punched. (laughs) <laughs> dies <laughs> yeah so you always die in the beginning but ooh some full moon grass ooh some rocks and it's... oh and then uh, giant yeah. dragon <laughs> uh, so your character dies you're trapped into the nexus you meet the uh, I don't know maiden in black and interestingly when I was uh, doing some research for the game uh, they always had the voices in English because they wanted to kind of keep that medieval fantasy aesthetic and they didn't want to choose like you know and so i think they actually got some like scottish actors and so that's why it gives kind of that distinct uh, tone to the game mm-hmm. which i thought was cool i mean that's not something i actually assumed the voices were originally in japanese but no always in english hmm. um i didn't know that and then so from there you're set up and you are basically told to use these archstones to travel to different locations within the kingdom of Bolteria. And your goal is to basically gain souls and get more powerful so you can eventually lull the old one back to sleep. Um, and that's just, that's what they give you. I mean, there's some people you can talk to. There's a guy who you can store your equipment with because, uh, Unlike other like Dark Souls and stuff like that, you actually have like an equip burden, so you can only carry so much before you just can't pick up anything else. Which, Jack, how do you feel about the equip burden? I I think I kind of like it. Like, I think it's a hundred percent fine. It doesn't bother me at all. Yeah, and I'm just saying right now, if if you're complaining about the like the item burden, like it's just oh, I go back to the Nexus. Here you go. Boom 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 boom. All right, cool. Yeah, like. I like it because unlike Dark Souls, like I'm not carrying around like fifty different weapons at like all the time. Like I'm carrying around like two, maybe. You know what I mean? Yeah. Carrying around one set of armor. Like, that's it. Yeah. And so it's like I don't I just I think it's people who complain about it, I think it's just like get over it, it's not a big deal. Yeah. It never really bothered me. Um and, you know, that might go back to just the idea of, like, when I'd play, like, early, like, Dungeon Dragons, and, you know, you'd be thinking about how much your character could carry. I remember specifically one campaign, uh, you know, we played with our dad, and we got this all this gold, and I was like, man, I want to get all the gold. And he was only, he was like, well, you can only carry, you know, so much. And I was like, oh, okay, well, I mean, <laughs> I guess, okay. That's fine. You know what I mean? So, yeah, that, that that doesn't bother me. It never really did. Then again, though, I that kind of just fit into the whole feeling of the game. You know, coming back to the mm-hmm. Nexus, you know, kind of encouraging you to come back, drop off your stuff, uh, see what is new, 
which was kind of like a novel thing for me to be like, oh, hey, this is kind of like the hub of where I'm going to be. And that's still to this day, I have to say the Nexus is probably my favorite hub just because there were so many like items hidden in there. There's just like all these stairs you could go up, uh, like, you know, all these different characters that would gather there. I, I really like the Nexus and I think it's a cool area that they've tried to kind of do like I think Majula and like Firelink come really close, but you know, dollars to donuts. It's, it's the nexus for me. Dollars to donuts. <laughs> I can um, dollars to donuts. Dollars to donuts. I can't, I can't do a good so Call Moriarty impression. World one, the Archstone of the Small King. Yeah, uh, that's supposed to be the Altarian Palace. Starts off the dragon on the bridge. Um, so. At this point, of course, uh, people who haven't played the game, hopefully you're sticking around and just enjoying Jack and I's banter. Oh, why wouldn't they? But we're going to like... Why wouldn't they support us for our Patreon? We're going to go in like step by step by these different archstones, or archstones, which are very conveniently named after each of the bosses within each level. So that's also kind of nice. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so you're, you know, first level, Bolterian Palace, Jack. You're in Bolteria Palace. What do you think? Well, you, you know, do? your initial reaction is, oh, well, so there are dragons here. Um, some people might call them wyverns because dragons have four limbs. And then you also, like, that's not including the wings. And these don't have four limbs. so that You know what I call those people? What do you call them? Nerds. So, I mean, they're, they're technically wyverns, <laughs> technically. No, I, 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 know, I know. But anyways... <laughs> Um, you know, he has a mouthful of people, and you're like, okay, that's cool. And then you're walking up these, like, this huge, you know, uh, path with these steps going up towards this giant gate. And you're like, okay, this is cool. You're killing a few, like, me- like menial dudes here and there. I mean, progressing to that level, you, you learn a lot in that first level. I mean, yeah. if you're just a little, if you just explore a little bit, you know, you learn that some walls you can't actually, you can vault over. Some, um, Items you have to rarely. go. Which th- I know th- rarely. That's, yeah. Some items you have to go around like a quote unquote secret path to grab said item. You know what I mean? Like you have to fall yeah. down from the wall and grab that crossbow and go in the room and oh yeah, there's a thing that I passed earlier. Um, you learn that traps right. can destroy you know physical objects in the world, which I don't think they do very often. But I mean, you do learn that that can happen. Um, mm-hmm. You know. And you definitely learn a lot about your character, you know, triggers things, such as, like, the dragon blowing fire on the bridge, him yeah. flying back to guard those items over there, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I mean, this whole first level, it's really, I think it's really well done. It's really cool. And yeah. definitely it's so nice when you can unlock the shortcuts. So when you die, it's not like, mm-hmm. oh, it's more like just, oh. If that makes sense. Yeah. No, I mean, that goes into like a big, I guess, pull of this game is so your character, as you're going around and killing enemies, you're collecting souls. And souls is basically becomes your currency that you can use to then upgrade your character and make yourself stronger. But if you're in the middle of the level and you die, you drop a blood stain, and then you start all the way back at the beginning of the level. And you have to go back. All the enemies are there in their same spots. They 
more or less do the same thing depending on how you're reacting to them. I mean, enemies don't really have random things that they do. And it's kind of to, you know, every time you play through the area, you get a better knowledge of it. So yeah, and then if you get make it back, you can collect the souls that you dropped. And so that kind of becomes like the main loop and it builds a lot of tension because the further and further you get, the more resources you use. And then, you know, you get to that point where you're like, man, I really don't want to die because then I have to come all the way back. But then that feeling of, oh, hey, I unlocked this gate and now I have a different way to get, you know, I have a different way to get back. I have a shorter path. It's mm-hmm. just like, oh, I can't describe that feeling. And this this first level does that so well because you go up one tower and you come down the opposite tower and unlock the gate and then all of a sudden you have access backwards through the level. Yes. Um, this, of course, then ends at the first boss fight, which is the Phalanx. Um, a really interesting boss fight. Definitely. You kind of, it's like this, it's basically slimes that have these shields on the front of them and these spears in them. Um, you get this like cut scene where you open up the main gate of like the, I don't know, the central part of the castle and this huge spear comes out and you're like, well, okay. Uh, yeah, and you fight all these slimes, and you fought a couple of them before, and you learned that you can't really damage them from the front, but you can damage them from the back, and mm-hmm. this boss is just like a big conglomeration of them on all sides. Yeah. Uh, you have a couple tools, like the fire is really damaging to them, oh, so yeah. if you have a little like fire bombs know, flame bombs, you can do that. Yeah. This boss is really not that hard. It's easy to get overwhelmed, Yeah, but... Then again, as with most things in this game, once you know what you're doing, it's really like not that hard. And this one, and this boss, I feel like teaches you a lot about positioning and where you are and kind of enemy management. So you learn to like, oh hey, if I go up and attack this thing and some of these little slimes fall off, it's really in my best interest to take out some of the smaller ones so they're not spearing me from the back or yeah. throwing things at me. Definitely like a very yeah, like interesting game and all like games or boss and all the souls games it's like it's super unique mm-hmm. I, f- I feel like and i just one thing i want to add like yeah. if you haven't heard the comparison between the original music and the remastered music it's crazy like how much more <laughs> like dramatic and just powerful yeah. the new version sounds and the yeah. old one sounds like you know dun 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 like you know it's the music in demon souls yeah. is so good but it sounds it like it came from you know 2008 yeah and it's but i mean like man the music in demon souls and that's actually an important distinction you only get music in the nexus and then when you're fighting bosses when you're traversing the level it's actually just quiet ambient noise which is really cool um so Jack, do you want to kind of jump around in the order you would play the game, or do you just want to go through each level and kind of talk about it? Well, I don't know if we have time to talk about each level. Well, you know, I figure here in about 10 minutes, we'll probably pause it, and then we can just resume uh, the conversation later. And for the audience, it'll be like nothing ever happened. All right. Well, sounds good to me. Yeah, let's do that. So honestly, let's just go through how I would say how I played it, and then we can go on to... Uh, you played okay. it so 
right after I defeated the Phalanx, I would honestly just continue through that level. And the, mm-hmm. the next part of the Boltarian level, right, Boltarian? Pretty straightforward. Yeah, like yeah. you're basically Boltaria, just walking Boltaria, down these whatever. these ramparts on this wall, avoiding a dragon breathing fire, avoiding crossbows, yeah. avoiding dogs, you know, and... Um, Nightmare it's, dogs, by the way. It's I that part's still kind of like I feel the tension when I'm going down that hallway, that dark hallway, and you hear I'm the, waiting for the dogs the to come out. Rawr, rawr, like, rawr. <laughs> it's almost like the fallout bark. Rawr, rawr. Mm-hmm. Like, oh god, please no. Yeah, there are some enemies in this in these games that are just the bane of your existence, and enemies that jump yeah. around and attack quickly are the bane of your existence. But, you know, so essentially you make your way down these ramparts, which is like, it's honestly, it's a really cool part of the game. And you finally make your way up there and then you go through this fog wall and there's this fat jester dude who's just like, (laughs) you know, like laughing at you. Yeah, exactly. It's no exaggeration. It's. Yeah, that's what that's what it sounds like. like what? <laughs> and then these archers, you know, like line up on the yeah. walls, and then you see this giant, like you know, knight whose name is the Tower Knight, and he has yeah. some, like he has like only like four attacks or something, but it is so intimidating the first time you fight this guy, and especially the way that it is the intimidation think, factor is a big factor in yeah, this game. I think the way Charlie and I played is that, you know, we didn't really look much up about the game like we probably looked up like a few trophy items you know but as far as like how to play or the best way to play or how to fight bosses i never looked that stuff up yeah so like it well, was, I was gonna say, so much fun f- especially figuring it out yeah well to just interject here before yeah. you get on with this uh tower night i didn't really look things up until i had beat it once mm-hmm. and then that's when i kind of went back when would look up, hey, how do you get this item? How do you get this? What did I miss? And kind of get more pointers. You know what I mean? So with that first playthrough, that first blind playthrough, always the best. Definitely. I, I would 100% agree. Because, like, you go in, like, knowing you're not playing it ideally, but, like, that's the fun in it, you know? You're like, like, yeah, I don't really know how I could play better. And then your next playthrough, you're like, oh, well, just use this weapon. And... <laughs> upgrade this a few times and you're good to Easy go weapon. so yeah. you know i did i went and i beat the tower knight and then after that we can you, know, you can say what you what you do but then i would move on to the next area because it's um the third area of the boltarian air like world is mm-hmm. locked off until you Sealed. defeat yeah um i believe like the main boss from another area, correct? Or yeah, is it locked off until you do the three other like main bosses of the other areas? I think so. I think it might be. I think so. Anyways, yeah. So yeah, from the Tower Knight, um, you know, each boss basically drops like a little anchor an arch stone to get back to the nexus and a spot where you can come back into the level so from there you go to the second arch stone the arch stone of the burrow king which is stone fang tunnel you know and equally i that level that is just like scarred 
because <laughs> that sounds horrible, like I was like abused. That's like, you know, just ingrained into my head. Uh, you know, you come into that level, there's a the little beggar guy, there's the broken elevator. You go to the left, there's a lizard that you can kill to get like some resources, but it always tends to run off if you're not, <laughs> you know, if you don't do it strategically. Just straight off the edge, yeah. This level is interesting because it introduces you to the fact that there are some enemies that are resistant to certain damage types. And so especially if you're a knight playing with a sword, normal slashes on these like, I don't know, they're kind of like lizard people that have like pickaxes. Yeah, like they're like scaled They like don't humanoids. hurt it. So you have to kind of like, you have to use your sword's like piercing attack, your R2 attack, and that will then do like more of a normal damage to them. Um... You know, I just another super great level. Um, this one I do remember having some difficulty with just because it's a little bit more hazardous. And especially if you want to talk about intimidation factor, getting to the boss of this level, which is the armor spider. Uh, you have a long elevator ride down. And then you're faced with this long tunnel. You go through a fog wall, a long tunnel. And there's just this spider that's shooting fireballs at you. And... It's one of those things to where it's like, once you know, of course, it's, you know, to just dodge a fireballs, get up close to the spider. But when you don't know what's happening and you just see this huge spider at you, it's like the fear of A, losing everything and then B, like, oh, yeah, I'd have to come all the way back. It makes this boss fight. I remember specifically like, man, how do I need a shield that defends against fire? You know, mm-hmm. What do I need to like get up close? Not realizing, that, oh, hey, you can just dodge the fire, get up close, and then once you're up close, you just need to dodge the spider's attacks, and it's fine. But there's that part in the boss fight where he blows out a bunch of fire, and if you don't you know, hit him fast enough, you don't realize you can use that as a big opening because <laughs> the boss starts like winding up for this huge flamethrower attack, and you're like, uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. I remember that one being a little bit of a sticking point. The armor spider. Yeah, it was definitely, you know, it was a fight that took a bit of time to learn. But, like, once you get it, you're like, oh, like, this is yeah. not, not bad at all. That's where I first yeah. used, you know, the sticky white stuff uh, weapon <laughs> yeah. buff. And you're like, strange Just, name, but. You know, why they call it that? It's okay. <laughs> um. So, you know, from the Archstone of the Burrow King, usually I would teleport out. And then go to the third area, the Archstone of the Tower Queen, which the first area is the Tower of Latria. Oh, my which God. Tower of Latria, I love. Jack, take it away with the Tower of Latria. So Tower of Latria is a area that, if you guys know the game, you're already like, please, like, don't talk about it. Because, like, <laughs> it's, it's, so it's like such a good area, but it's also, like, a horrible area. Because there's so many pitfalls <laughs> you can fall to your death through. It's confusing. You have to have the right keys. There's a lot of looping back and forth. There are these weird, like, Cthulhu Watcher kind of dudes who, like, ring these bells. And so, yeah. You run through the level and you just hear, ding, 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 you know, the ding, whole time. Ding, ding, and you're like, yeah. <gasps> you know, trying to <laughs> try not to die, trying not to fall off. And, you know, I can't say how many times. Weird like drag enemies behind bars. Yeah. There's that like, one guy who's, like, yelling and he's like, He's like clanking in the bars. Help me. <laughs> and it's just, and there's kind of like this, like looming, like, 
Yeah, like, I don't know what it is. Like, it's just, like, it's a really horrible place to be in. But it's so... Mm-hmm. I want to say it's a little iconic in Demon Souls because, like, oh, yeah. it, it just kind of, like, really is, like, all right, like, you know, you got to do this and you're going to hate it the whole time, <laughs> you know? It's confined, claustrophobic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then when you get out in the open, there's the big like statue that's shooting on the arrows. And so you then like the moment you're actually out in the open, it's like, oh, hey, you can't go that way, though. Go down below. There's a flailing ball of men. That's literally I mean, I don't know how else to describe it. It's like this amalgamation of a bunch of like lesser enemies stuck together and they like stick their arms out and flail at you and they can like kill you really quick. I mean, this area you know, it is painful to go through, but it is, it's fun. It's such a fun area. I mean, there's that part where you get up to like one of the higher levels and there's like a shopkeeper, but she's like singing. And so all of a sudden this voice just kicks in. It's like, oh, and you're like, oh my God, what's, and as soon as what's you, going on? As soon as you enter the room. <laughs> yeah, she just stops immediately. Um, So this all culminates, you know, once you get behind the big archer thing that's like raining arrows uh and we'll we'll have a quick break after this we'll have a message from our sponsors but you once you get in uh you get to this like cathedral and you go through the doors first of all there's a red phantom that appears here that's not another player we'll get into the multiplayer later but not another player it's red phantom that appears and it's I remember this phantom being really challenging just because it's like you just don't fight a lot of enemies that have like a similar moveset to you. Anyways, mm-hmm. <laughs> you make it past and you fight, uh, what's it called? The fool's idol. And it's like the sorceress that like creates mirror images of herself. There's magic traps on the ground. Very D and D where you like run into the trap and you get paralyzed very and you D&D. get like yeah. hit to death with magic missiles. Um, again, it's one of those boss fights that, you know, once you figure out, and I, I really like all of the bosses in Demon Souls. I mean, all of them are very unique. And so they're, they tend to become like Shadow of the Colossus puzzles where it's like, once you figure out how to climb up it or to do it, it becomes way easier. You know, like once you know to stick to the corners of the room to trigger, you know, you can kind of roll over or trigger the magic traps it's really easy to then, you know, you learn, oh, hey, the mirror images shoot like a small beam and the bigger one shoots like this main stronger beam. You know, you can kind of game it that way. But yeah, 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 that boss fight is uh that's a fun one. It's a fun one. And then, of course, when you beat the boss, you go up to the altar that, you know, <laughs> it's at. And then these weird gargoyles yeah. carry you up and you're like, what? What is happening? <laughs> oh, yeah. God, if you want to talk about like intimidating because i don't think the arch stone appears after you beat the boss the the gargoyles carry you up and you go scale up this tower and there's this like you get this view of these towers that are like almost impossibly high over this horrible swamp and there's this huge like fleshy egg that's like chained up in this huge central tower and there's these like thin platforms with this fire and it's just like what like (laughs) it's definitely a strange time strange time 
All right, now we will go ahead and transition to a quick commercial break, and right. we will be right back. Well, hello everybody. Go ahead and we're gonna come down to go ahead and uh, we're gonna come down to Steve Longbottom's Curtain Emporium. Yeah, that's right, Curtain Emporium. We got all types of different curtains for you. We got curtains on long rods. We got curtains on true rods. We even might have some curtains that are, are the color blue if that's what you're interested in. My name is Stephen Longbottom, and you know what? Let me tell you something. I've been selling curtains for years, so many years. I couldn't tell you how many years and years and years I've been selling curtains. My father did, my grandfather did, and his great-grandfather, get this, well, he didn't sell curtains, but he made them. He made them for the first guy. So, we, come on down to Stephen Longbottom. Uh, we got uh, we got so many curtains for you. I just, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm drowning in curtains. I can't believe it. I'm just drowning in them. And I'm, I, I, please help me. Please, please come buy some curtains. All right, come down to Stephen Longbottom's uh, Curtain Emporium. Yeah, that's right, the Curtain Emporium. It's uh, located in North and Westward and, uh, uh, go ahead, yeah, just come, to, come on down. Go ahead, drive on down. Go ahead, bike on down. We got curtains. We got, uh, we got curtains. We got curtains for you. All right, Stephen Longbutton, Curtain Emporium. Steve Longbottom, Curtain Emporium. Come on down, please. Come on down. <laughs> All right, and we're back. We good. We got All done right. talking about the Tower of Latria, the first place there. Yeah, yeah. So, I need to stop saying that. I feel like I say that a lot. I was listening to one of the more recent episodes, and I was like, man, I'm like, so, next <laughs> so. is the Archstone of the Shadowmen, which I don't remember being called that, but I think I just never really paid attention. because I, I never paid attention you know, to the names. The Shadowmen. The Shadowmen. The names are not something which, I really care about. Uh, is this is the first iconic area, which is the Shrine of Storms? Man, the Shrine of Storms. Mm. Yeah, talk about I. This is probably, uh, at least for me, really uh, emblematic of just how difficult the game can be, and then how fun the game can be because you kind of have this open area, and you have these hard individual enemies that, again, once you figure out kind of how to navigate them. They're really fun to fight against. Uh, they're mm-hmm. like these big skeletons. They're almost like these. They're skeletons, but they're like armored skeletons, but not traditional armor. It's like their bones are armored. And they have these big swords, and they do these kind of funny rolls around. Um, yeah, and you go through. It's almost like a ruined, uh, like a ruined little fortress that you traverse through. Yes. For the Shrine of Storms and. You have the okay. What sticks out to me and why I said this, I think, is really emblematic of just kind of Demon Souls' general. It's really fun, and then you have that section, and hopefully, I'm not jumping ahead too far. But you have that section where you're going across kind of like a thin, like a thin ledge, and there's like a cliff on your right. Then there's yes, these big golden yes. skeletons that you have to fight. Oh my! All gosh. the while, these flying manta ray things are shooting at you, and I have to say. That, like, that will drive you insane. Like, it, it is, because the golden skeletons are tough on their own, not really because they're hard, but just because they can do a lot of, they do a lot of damage. But, um. They do damage. <laughs> and it's easy. It does a lot of damage. <laughs> but, yeah, that part can drive you insane. 
And then that all culminates on, I would say, one of the easier bosses, but still a cool boss, which is the uh, Adjucator. It's like this big, <laughs> like, oh, yeah. obese with like a fat like guy a, that has his crow on top of his head. Yeah, rooster like a chicken. or crow or something. And I don't... I don't know. I don't know what's going on with this guy, but it's he's... The the boss design in this game is so weird. Yeah, you know, it's good though. It's it's <laughs> but like that's it's kind of like the the charm of it. Like each boss is like real strange, except for maybe like two of them. You know, like Tower yeah. Knight's probably the most normal boss. Yeah, it it this one's really interesting because it almost seems like you enter the boss arena and it's like several broken floors, like the boss has fallen through the floors. It's big obese kind of like not a giant but definitely you know probably three four times bigger than your player character and Mm -hmm. he has these two giant like butcher knives one of which has been broken off and is like in his side and you can't actually hurt him you have to like chop at his wound and then he like falls over and you chop at a little disembodied chicken head if you stay on the top he like shoots out his tongue at you it like it's it sounds weird in the context of the game we're talking about, that something like that would happen, but it happens. It's probably like one of the least weird things, though, in the game. <laughs> and then this goes to probably, I would say, the most infamous archstone, the archstone of the chieftain. Because as with uh, most of these archstones, I think barring the first one, I think ideally you kind of want to do like, boss one 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 and then boss you know two 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 like do all like of the first stage of bosses and all the second stage of bosses because it, like if you try to go like for example in like stone fang tunnel if you try to go from the armored spider forward straight to the flame lurker the difficulty does like spike up and flame lurker is definitely hard the same thing with like after the fool's idol and going across those catwalks and going to the man eaters um it, the difficulty just jumps up a little bit. And so it's smarter to kind of tackle the bosses, maybe the first one, and then go to the next world and tackle the mm-hmm. boss of the first one. So jumping into the fifth archstone, which is the uh, archstone of the chieftain, and that is the Valley of Defilement. Jack, oh. talk to me about the Valley of Defilement. So the Valley of Defilement is basically this huge valley quite literally that you're like near the bottom of you can you can't really see the top and it's just mm-hmm. like misting it's like kind of raining almost the whole time mm-hmm. there are these like weird troll guys everywhere who have this yeah super annoying push attack and there's so mm-hmm. many like precarious things gonna walk on wooden platforms that break you gotta kick some down you know it's really easy to get trapped in like corners because there are so many of the little enemies and don't even get me started on walking through the bogs where you just get slowly poisoned but you have to walk through them and on top of that you got these giant troll guys that come out and you can't block them and they hurt so much it's just yeah it's it's a really arduous time yeah i I definitely agree. Like, there's this moment where you go and you kill a bunch of rats, which can give you the plague, which is like a ho- like a worse <laughs> version of poison. Yeah. And then after that, there's like another another slim platform, and your cliff cliff wall to the uh, left, and 
big troll guy with this huge club go forward. The little troll guys push a rock down from above. And I don't... I've always had trouble with the big troll guys. I don't know if they just... It's like an, it's like a thing of like intimidation and like lack of control because every time you fight them, especially when you fight them further on when you're going through like the bog proper, you just don't have a lot of movement. And the, yeah, Jack's right. They just do a lot of damage, and that you they can't you can't just sit there and block them. Like you have to dodge them, and they do. It's just, but every time you fight them, and you're in kind of these precarious spots where you don't want to roll, you know, too much to the right. Because if they gave you a big open area to fight them, you probably could just, like, roll around them, you know? Yeah, but they it's never pretty easy that. then. Yeah. And so, uh, the first Archstone ends with the Leechmonger. Jack, what is your what are your memories from the Leechmonger? So, Leechmonger, definitely, there's a little cutscene for some of the bosses. <clears throat> Leechmonger is basically just a bunch mm-hmm. of leeches that rise up out of the bog and form this <laughs> huge, yeah, like giant just like mass with like two arms and like this weird head shape you know and it like shoots these balls of leeches at you if you're far away (laughs) and like it flails around and it's susceptible to fire which you kind of learn at this point fire is really useful in this whole area but yeah like man this boss is a boss like many bosses in all the souls games it can either go super easy for you or go really difficult for you it's a little bit of mm-hmm. luck and a little bit of just kind of knowing what the boss does. <laughs> so, like, you know, it's just like your health slowly erodes the more he hits you and you walk slowly mm-hmm. the more he hits you, you know. And it's just there's so much to micromanage in this whole area that, I mean, yeah. this boss fight is just icy on the cake. So, I mean, right before this, you yeah. fought like a giant troll. You fought a bunch of small ones. You fought some giant ticks you know that probably poisoned you and yeah. it's just oh yeah i forgot about those yeah <laughs> it's horrible you know and all them it's so little side note players can write messages in the ground and you mm-hmm. know you'll find some notes that are just like i can't keep doing this or you know it's been <laughs> so long you know stuff like that just yeah. like these really sombering messages and you're like yeah i, I yeah I, I feel you dude so yeah definitely i don't know leechmonger is a fine boss. Definitely is just uh you know. Yeah. It's 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 a whole area. This whole area is really amazing. Yeah. I mean, you know it's funny because the swamp levels have kind of gotten their own notoriety within from soft games. Uh you have of course like Blight Town and Dark Souls. However, the Valley of Defilement always sticks out to me as being the worst one. It just, it just stresses you out. Like it just adds all these extra things that you have to pay attention to on top of the game already being challenging. And so the mm-hmm. Valley Defilement always takes the cake for me. I mean, Blight Town it has its own troubles, but I, I don't think it's nearly as bad. And the Leechmonger, you know, definitely rewards if you have kind of more of a tanky character. That's good melee character. Just equip some fire in your weapon. You literally can just go and chop them down real quick and yeah. so you know so from there you're kind of open and this is like the point in the game to where you can you know go back and not necessarily go back to the first archstone and progress past the tower knight unless i'm mistaken but i don't i don't think we are but you have you know 
three other arch stones, four other arch stones, if you're staying in the Valley of Defilement, that you can continue on. Mm-hmm. And so let's take it and let's say we go back to the Archstone of the Burrow King and go deeper into the mines. So after the armor spider, you go through like a series of basically mining tunnels. And this area, again, as with most of the areas in this game, and I, this is probably just because I played it at kind of a formative time, but they all really stick out to me. Yeah, for sure. Just these series of complex tunnels with these giant like lava, almost like giant like lava, like roly polies. Um, it, it's it's a weird time. these these big open areas with these like worms that come out of the ground that they are they look really threatening, but if you can hit them on their head at like just the right time, you can like insta kill them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you meet patches here actually. Yeah, he, you might have met him he, earlier, but I think he's here. He is here. You uh, you have to. Yeah. there's like this large fire roly poly. That like he's like oh they explode when they die. There's a good item over there, and if you go underneath it, then it drops down. And he's like, yeah, you know. Before that, you meet him. (laughs) I think before that, he's locked away in um. What was the the archstone with the golden skeletons? Oh yeah, he's yeah he's in the shrine of storms. Yeah yeah. That's right. Are you wait? Is that him, or there's a guy named Bilge, like Grave Robber Bilge. He might be in the Shrine of Storms. That, that might be Grave Robber Bilge I'm thinking of. Interesting. But yeah, so, you know, you go through all these, like, complex series of tunnels. There's these little, like, flying versions of the big roly-polies. There's some <laughs> lava that's like, hurts you a lot. You keep going further down and down until you finally hit this ground floor and go into this, like... It almost looks like a huge, like, forge or something like that. And then out jumps this uh, boss called the Flame Lurker, which is another one of those bosses that is really intimidating. And it's kind of a difficulty spike just because he does hurt a lot. And for the most part, he's pretty aggressive. And it it kind of you get rewarded for staying up close to him and kind of like managing him rather than trying to run away. Because if you run away, then I think you end up in that loop of that horrible loop in Souls games where you keep getting hit, healing, getting hit, healing, trying to yeah. like stabilize. You get hit. Or oftentimes you, you would have just, yeah. Uh, flame worker. Great boss. I, he has like a lot of these little explosion attacks. Uh, one of the bosses I've seen kind of in the demon souls remake that looks really cool. Um, and I'm definitely excited to get to it. What do you remember from the flame worker, Jack? Sorry, I just ate one chip. Hold on. <laughs> Ate some grass. No, so Flame Lurker, like I definitely remember him being very distinct because like he he opens up with the cutscene and he like breaks mm-hmm. these two pillars and jumps down and the distinct like sound that he makes, you know, that he does yeah. all the time. Yeah. And he's just like he's a he almost really moves around like a gorilla or something. Yeah. He kind of, like lopes around. Yeah. Like he's very it's basically a person. Yeah, it's a gorilla. That's what it, it's closely yeah. like related like to. Like a fire demon gorilla. <laughs> yeah. And it's... He's such a cool boss because it's one of the first times in the Souls games that I remember that I was like, this guy is hard. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. this is... I gotta try this a couple of times. Because most bosses by then, 
you know, flame spider, you die once or twice. You know, phalanx, yeah. you might die once. Tower knight, you might die once. You know. Sorry if you guys died yeah, more the than second... that. But flame lurker was... No, I would... He was up there. Yeah, I would say the second round of bosses tend to be harder. Like, a degree of magnitude harder. Because after the flame lurker, we go and traverse you know the long drops of the second area of the tower of latria which again i'm really fond of the whole tower of latria area like all of it um but i mean jack take it away what do you remember of these long walks and of course yurt's here this is where you meet the silent chieftain yurt yeah Yeah. who (laughs) is like this assassin but like this whole part, like, the area is fine. It's just, like, it's probably the biggest area in the game. There's so much... It does much, feel big. There's so much walking you have to do. And yeah, it's a fine area, but some of the enemy encounters are super annoying, like, on the stairs. The enemy, yeah. like, jumps down, and you walk onto it, swing, and you go flying off the edge or whatever, you know? It's just, like... <laughs> yeah. And I will say, if you play now, well, I guess you, I guess now it's fixed. But on the PS3 version, since the servers were shut off, you couldn't access like three parts in air, in that area because there was no like world tendency or all that kind of stuff, you know. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I it's have a, the it's world a super tendency distinct area. But like, yeah, I don't know if it's one of my favorites, but it's very distinct. Yeah, I think. I like it so much because I like all of the, uh, you know, the huge platforms. And then, of course, you know, when you have that kind of aha moment and you take the cage elevator down and you get to another bog and there's the horrible, they're like centipede monsters that are about the size of like large dogs, but they have like human faces and kind of like scorpion tails. Yeah. And you like, what's weird about them with even face. You hit them and their like tail pops off and they make these <laughs> and then they like keep coming after you and it's just it's weird. it's just weird and it's, it's just kind of gross and there's these big tentacles that are moving around down at the bottom like there's a huge living organism and not to mention that huge like humming chained up egg thing that you go around to these different towers and you're like chopping it down and it's just it's just weird and freaky and very like Lovecraftian, I would say. Like it reminds me a lot of like what you know some levels in Bloodborne later. I was, I was about to say yeah, Bloodborne. But again, this this area ends with another really challenging boss, which is the Man Eaters. Which I don't think. So you fight the Man Eaters. You go through this fog wall, and it's this long platform, kind of thin. You don't have a lot of room to like move around either side before just a drop off that kills you. There's a big torch in the middle and then another little like walkway and then you know the exit fog wall. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you fight the man eaters which are these like huge basically like buff gargoyle guys. Yeah. And you uh start off fighting one and then a second one appears. And it just it's one of those ones that it's really it like catches you off guard and i've never felt there are some bosses later on in some of the soul series that kind of capture that hopeless feeling of when like the second form appears but this is just kind of brutal like 
Mm-hmm. It's so easy to fall off. And you can, if you're really careful, you can play it really controlled and slow, which is kind of how I always found success. But this one's a challenging one because it's kind of designed to just insta-kill you by, you know, the man-eaters knocking you off the edge. Yeah, it's this fight's fun because, you know, you're fighting one. And you're like, oh, it's fine. And, like, depending on how you're doing, you know, like, you get his health on the halfway, and then you see another health bar, and you're like, what? <laughs> and then, boom, comes another man-eater, you know, and you're like, oh, please. like, I, Yeah. And so then you kind of start gauging it, like, okay, if his health is down at this point, by the time the second one comes out, I'm good. And if it's not there, yeah. I'm not good. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's this weird stress you have to worry about while, like, you know, making sure that they're not shooting the sonic waves at you so you don't go flying off and making sure that you're not rolling yeah. off and it's just you know it's it's a it's a great time <laughs> it's, a, it's a fun boss actually yeah. it's a good one so then you conquer the man eaters and you go back to the arch center the shadow men to the shrine of storms and i would say this path leading to the next boss is one of the more creepy and challenging paths you have to take it's really long and there's these big there's like these reapers these like literal just grim reapers that have sides and everything that summon these like spirit monsters on these steps and they the spirit monsters can shoot out this beam from their faces and it's like this gauntlet to get all the way down to like the base of the shrine of storms I I remember this being really challenging. I mean, I don't think I've played through this part recently because I think we, when we played it through for our video series, we kind of ended at the Valley of Defilement, you know, mm-hmm. after the Leechmonger. Leechmonger? But I remember this part being, challenge, you know, challenging. Lots of hidden doors, uh, just tight, like, staircases you have to go down. It's dark, but I don't think it obscures your vision. But, yeah, that's... Uh, kind of a harrowing climb down and you learn that if you defeat the reapers like the spirits keep coming back but if you can defeat the reapers and they stop summoning the spirits to come get you so you can kind of like just yeah, kamikaze run it past all the spirits yeah it's it's a little freaky honestly i remember always like jumping down and slashing that reaper in the head mm-hmm. you know like yeah <laughs> but it's i don't know it's definitely this, yeah. this second area is a lot of fun though because mm-hmm. while it is annoying that you're being shot half the time, you can't use a bow and like take a few of them out. But it, it just yeah. adds so much to this level. I feel like like this, it has mm-hmm. a lot of personality. I want to say it does. Yeah, very it's, distinct. A lot of these yeah. areas tend to be really distinct. Mm-hmm. And then. You fight. This is the boss that um, I always forget about, but I always am sad that I forgot about because it's a really interesting one. It's the old hero. Yeah, the, the yeah. Like, go guy. down to this giant like yeah, and you fight this blind boss that like he responds and he's really aggressive if you like make a lot of noise and like roll around and stuff. I he don't rolls, remember it ever being challenging. It's more just cool. he does do a lot of damage and can be like real aggro on you. But if you can get away, get in a couple hits, 
he's not that bad. Yeah, but, I mean, th- this yeah, is a really boss cool is all about timing. Design for a boss. Yeah. It he is very um, cool. it really you can do some cool stuff by like shooting arrows or like throwing equipment or throwing knives or firebombs and he'll go and like attack the firebomb. You can get a couple hits on him. It's cool because like you can stay like still and he'll kind of like walk up and down the boss arena, like looking for you. And it's just like, man, like this is a great design for a boss. Just, Mm -hmm. I think what makes this boss stick out so much is the fact that it's such a challenging run to get back down to him. If you die. Yeah, and so and it's like, one of those areas that's like you yeah, don't think too ahead. much about him. It's more so just like y- yeah, like the build up going to him is like I don't want to traverse all that again. It's not even that bad yeah. necessarily once you know what you're doing, but it can be like oh, all right, here we go. You know. <laughs> right. Yeah, I would say that for the most part where you'll really feel that pain of having to be like, I died. I have to go all the way back is through these like second runs to the second boss. A lot of these areas tend to be really long. And when you play through and you know what you're doing, you have enough healing items, but if you're kind of in a tight spot and you're like low on your healing grasses, it does become a challenge to, you know, stay healed up and stay maxed out and, you know, keep going. Mm Mm-hmm. That brings us to back to the Archstone of the Chieftain and on our path to the Dirty Colossus. And this is the part that Jack was talking about earlier where it's just this huge open bog with these like islands that have these giant like burning bonfires on them. Tons of the big troll guys. I mean, this area is kind of a nightmare. Like there's these weird like jellyfish things in the water. <laughs> Do you this remember those? This is probably the area of the game that I actually just dislike. Yeah. I just don't like it. Yeah. It because are do you like walk in the deep swamp or are you like reduced to just your slow run? You 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 walk. There's no running. Yeah. Like there's like it, the super slow jog, I think, but like yeah. you might as well be walking. And you know, you're only little islands of safety are of course guarded by the giant troll guys which you don't want to fight in the swamp because them having you know the advantage of movement over you just is kind of a death sentence yep it's one of those areas that i did remember i had fun in because like going for the platinum like i would go out into like the very you know the edges of the swamp and like find all the items that were out there and there's a kind of like a bunch of cool stuff like that but yeah this area in particular I do remember like early playthroughs where it'd just be like, just go, just get through it. Just just devoid everything, keep going. And then you go to the Dirty Colossus, which is an interesting second boss because I never remember having trouble with the Dirty Colossus. Like, no. And I don't know if he's just kind of easy. Like, he's kind of like the Tower Knight to the Phalanx, to where he is challenging, but not really. Like, <laughs> he's a cool design. He's like this boss of like just collecting garbage and trash <laughs> that shoots like bees at you or hornets i don't know what he shoots at you but it's it's just like uh, yeah that dirty colossus is a boss he's probably the most forgettable boss in the game um mm-hmm. definitely i've never struggled with him he's always been pretty easy uh you know he's the one boss of demon souls that i think I, I could kind of just be like eh, he's a boss 
but there's nothing yeah. really discernible about him. You know, I think it's yeah. more so you're just like I'm done with the bog. Yeah, is what you're really concentrating on. So, yeah. And so now, Jack, we're left with the kind of the final bosses that you really can tackle in any order. But before we do, let's take a break to talk quickly about multiplayer in this game and then uh, world tendency. Okay. So what do you remember? I'll, I'll kind of head the world tendency because I know I, I delve pretty deeply into that, especially getting all the trophies. But what do you remember yeah. about the multiplayer of this game? Like, how did it strike you when you first played well, it? Well, so I really didn't understand it at first. I don't think I did a lot of, like, I wasn't summoned to places a lot because I didn't really understand it at first. And mm-hmm. I think I remember I first summoned somebody. I forget for what boss, but... I remember, I don't know if I summoned anyone on my first playthrough. I I can't remember. I would assume I did, but I don't know when. But, you know, yeah, it was a game like where the multiplayer is like so just like, hey, here's the underlying layer to basically the whole game was super interesting. Yeah. Because you could just be walking through like an area and then meow, Red Phantom is invaded. And you're like, oh, no, <laughs> please. Talk about building stress. Oh my gosh. You're you're, you're like (laughs) struggling on a group of enemies. Red Phantom invades and you're like, I, I, my souls are in the boss room. I have to go. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's like one of the uh, biggest stresses of all time. Is the way they do the multiplayer in all these games is I think really, really good. Um, Very non-invasive, non-invasive. And if you want to turn it off, you just turn it off. So like it's, it's, it's really easy. Yeah, I have to say I've never been one to really engage in like the PvP like scene of these yeah. games. But I've always really enjoyed the multiplayer and wouldn't want it to go away just because it does add a lot, especially like in the messages and the help you can give other players or the help you can get in that kind of sense of like silent community. Um I read this really interesting story actually that inspired Miyazaki for the multiplayer. I think the story went something like he was trying to get his car up like a snowy hill and it wouldn't go. And there's these people lining up behind him and then just silently kind of agreeing this car is kind of just went bumper to bumper and, you know, they slowly pushed his car up the hill. And so he really wanted to capture that sense of like silent community, how you didn't really have to talk to somebody to understand what to do, how you could kind of just communicate on like a very base level. Mm-hmm. And I think he captured that perfectly. I mean, it's it's really interesting. Of course, it's been done a lot now, and so it doesn't seem so new. But in that game, it was, you know, I don't. I wouldn't say it was until a game like Journey that I think Journey also does it really well, where it's just like it adds this whole other layer to the game. And especially, you know, I did get into like invading other players' worlds and stuff. And there's like it's such a fun sense of where you can mess with players. Like I remember you know, invading people in the Tower of Latria or being invaded, and it's just this cat and mouse game as, you, as people are, like, chasing you through, like, tower cells. And and then I think probably the system that I think is really cool but doesn't work how it should work is the world tendency. So the world tendency all had to do with, I think if you helped players, like if you helped players, like got summoned into their worlds and beat bosses, 
um, or every time you beat a boss in your world in a like living form, you would increase your world tendency slowly to like a pure white. And all that would do is that would unlock certain areas of certain levels and mm-hmm. you could get like extra items or interact with extra NPCs. And going the other way, if you died repeatedly, which this just seems like a punishment for you know players who like really struggled. If you died repeatedly, your world tendency would go to black. Yeah. And extra hard enemies, like red phantom versions of enemies would appear. And if it went all the way black, then something called the primeval sin would appear in the world or like the primeval, I don't know what it was, the primeval demons. And there's these weird, rare demons that don't really do anything. But if you kill them, it resets your world tendency. I want to, I need and to, it's to just, see if I've killed one before. Yeah, I, I do remember specifically because the primeval demon for the Stonefang Tunnel is no... Once you get into like that first mineshaft area from the archstone and you can take the elevator down and there's like an item down there. It's like on the right. And there's like those different like platforms and you can go up and I believe there's like a, one of the little fat inquisitor guys up at the top. No. I want to say anyways. If you go down to the bottom there's a demon down, there's like a primeval demon down there if it's pure red. So it's kind of cool. I mean, I understand what they were going for, but I do wish there was not an easier way to do it, but a different way to build up tendencies in the game. Because for sure. It's I feel like it's a lot easier to just end up in the middle and never hit the max of any side rather than ever hit naturally hit the max of side unless you're trying to. So it's kind of an interesting system. That well, I like, wouldn't say Yeah, go ahead. It's never explained. Yeah, they it's never. Just, explained it's, it it's literally just an option in your tab that's never yep. explained, and you're like, "What? What's? Yeah, what, what is, this? is this? What is this?" And so, like, um, I wish like you found some lore or whatever, or like some NPC you talked to, you'd be like, "Oh, yeah, have you noticed that each world has its own tendency?" Hmm. Well. Yeah, each like you know, like just some kind of dialogue to just kind of give you a, a brief, vague explanation, <laughs> rather than like, oh, I didn't know I was right. like, screwing myself over, you know, trying to do this like, you know, oh, yeah. I was trying to do like a secret path. I died three times, and oh, now I have you know dark world tendency. <laughs> so it's like, right, and it's you know it's interesting because there's like, while Dark Souls or sorry not Dark Souls but Demon Souls doesn't really have quests there are like storylines you can follow um and the one thing i've always not liked about you know the souls games is that it's i don't know how they could make it clear but it's really difficult to follow especially some of these like earlier quest lines um to you know accomplish what you want to accomplish there's one in particular where you work with yurt and um, his master mm-hmm. to go and assassinate all the other NPCs that in there in the Nexus. And it's really cool. Like, I mean, that's awesome. But, I mean, how are you supposed to, like... <laughs> it? I remember having to use a guide to figure that out. Just to yeah. figure out the timings, what bosses to beat, when to do it, etc. I, I will say, like, that's the one thing about the Souls games that I think... That's where they get a bit too much, like, uh, full, they get too full of themselves. Because it's like, oh... 
to do this guy's whole story, you need to do this, 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 at this time, and this, this, and this. And also, you need to make sure you're doing this and spend these at this time. And it's like, how are you supposed yeah. to know without looking it up? You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think what's cool about it is that, uh, I guess a positive of it, is that I like how it creates that, I don't know what the term is, but like that playground atmosphere around the Souls games, how if you have a friend who's playing it, you could be like, oh, hey, this happened for me. And they could be like, oh, hey, but this happened for me. And so you could kind of mm-hmm. like, as a, you know, figure it out. Um, but try, I don't but talk to anyone. It so. definitely is. Yeah, it definitely isn't signaled to you. And it definitely isn't like a cut and dry thing to do like this or to even know that you've messed something up by like progressing too far in the game. So that leaves us with kind of the last bosses of the game for everything but the main Boletaria Archstone. And so, Jack, I'll leave it up to you. We got the Dragon God, the Old Monk, the Storm King, and then Maiden Astraea. Which which do you want to talk about? Well, I want to talk about the Dragon God and how yeah. cool <laughs> that boss is and how kind of... yeah. A let down the fight is yeah because basically this fight is like you're fighting this dragon god which if you beat the tutorial you've seen it before and he's like on the cover you know he's like the, like he's like the main yeah. guy that kind of showcase and he is a super cool boss but mm-hmm. the way you beat him is you pin his arms down then what slash his head twice something like that yeah i mean the aspects i like i like how you have to like sneak you know, along these pathways, and that he can mm-hmm. just punch you. <laughs> yeah, like but yeah, it, it you is get to these. Cool, but yeah, just the act. Yeah, it's when very you're hurting him video. Is... Yeah, very video gamey. Yeah. You're like, oh hey, go to his crossbow, shoot the crossbow, pins his arm, go shoot his other arm, and then you literally like go up to his head, and he can breathe fire on you and hurt. You're like breathe like a hot breath on you and hurt you, but you really just slash him, and he's like dead. <laughs> he's like, oh, <laughs> and you do it, and you're like, well, and I believe. That's that. <laughs> yeah, I believe that it's after you beat one of these like uh, ending bosses in the areas that the uh, you know the protection after the tower night opens up. Yes, but we'll take a quick detour and we'll go and fight the old monk, which iconic music, iconic, <laughs> and I would say like visually is really really cool the giant weird turban all the the like huge thing like chairs yeah yeah i will say that this boss has never given me trouble because it tries to summon in a player to actually play as the old monk which is super cool and it's cool but it basically can go one of two ways to where you fight a player and it's really easy because Mm -hmm you just hack down this other player and it's like, Oh, you did it. Or you get, there's like a player who's like, whose life goal it is, is to be the old monk and to like, <laughs> just be an asshole. And it's just like, it can be like, I know who it you're can just be horrible. Too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, or you get like the regular NPC version, which it's just, just kind of whatever. Yeah. 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 Like this thing with players, like it's really hard to find the in between and if you look out and mm-hmm. you do find it in between, it's probably one of the most fun fights in Demon Souls. Yeah. Because it's yeah. just like, you know, it's you're combating this other player and he's like the boss, which doesn't 
I mean, I had never experienced that in another game. I'm sure it's happened, but like, this is the first yeah. time that I was like, oh, a player is my boss, a random player. Yeah, that's yeah. that's pretty cool, you know. And I don't think the game tells you. Does it tell you if somebody is being the old monk, or is it just you just uh, kind of see it by like when their you get armor up to a certain point in the staircase, it'll summon somebody, and after the cutscene. It'll, gotcha. I think it'll tell you that someone's invaded. I think it works that way. I, I don't remember. Gotcha. Yeah, but that's uh, it's a really cool one. It's you know, I think worth mentioning that from like the flame lurker to the dragon god, from like the man eater to the old monk, it's a very short distance you have to go. Usually, with maybe a couple enemies to kill. Um, I believe it's like some of like the weird warden keepers are on the bridge or on mm. the staircase down to the old monk, so you don't have to go that far for yeah. any of these bosses super nice um jack if you'll talk about the storm king i because I, I definitely i'm going to talk about my favorite maiden Australia. okay so the storm king is after the old hero and mm-hmm. uh after you defeat the old hero i believe there is a sword on an altar that you pick up i forget the name of the sword yeah um Stormbreaker. Stormbreaker. and you you yeah. clip it and you use it and you're like okay it's just a normal sword you know and I think what they're hoping for is that you try it in the next area because there really is no hint. But basically, well, actually, so you get the you get the sword in the boss arena. Oh, you get it in the boss arena. OK, OK. Yeah, because you go okay. into that like that would make more sense. Big though. open plane. So this this final boss for um, this area is this giant like the flying mant like manta rays that you've been being shot by it's basically a huge mm-hmm. one of those with a bunch of other small ones um and so like it's yeah. it's not really like a that you you know unique of a boss fight but it is cool the setting is super you know it's super yeah. unique to that area and you pick up the sword and mm-hmm. you use it and your guy like it's it's like an anime your guy like charges it up you know and then yeah boom, <laughs> it is. and like you shoot this giant strike through the sky and it's super cool yeah. Um, I don't know what it looks like on the remake, but like it's so much yeah, fun I, to you know to use that sword in that area, and it only works in an area too. So it's um, yeah, you know it's it's another boss that is pretty easy, but can be a little frustrating. But you know, it's it's more so yeah. just cool rather than uh more so than anything than anything else. So yeah, I. I can't wait to see what that looks like on the remaster because, you know, with all like the lightning and thunder and rain and all the new effects. Oh, like, yeah. It'll look so good. I'm really excited to see what that's like. It's definitely like a really epic fight. And one of the one times that like item burden can screw you, like if you run over to pick up the sword and it's like, you can't hold that. You're like, oh, no. <laughs> You're getting like speared from these giant like manta rays. <laughs> But, uh, so after that, you go, and I think probably my favorite last boss um, is Maiden Astraea. So after the Dirty Colossus, there's, like, this huge pit, and at the bottom, there's some, like, horribly toxic sludge. And you go in, and you get this really, like, awesome music that starts playing. Mm-hmm. Um, anybody who hasn't, like, listened to, like, the Maiden Astraea boss fight, it, music is just... It's great. Kind of Yeah, it's not like horrifying. It's kind of just sad and like dramatic. And 
you know, the main Estrella basically talks to you when you come in and she's like, Hey, we're all peaceful here. I need you to leave. And you're like, well, I can't leave. And you notice that all the weird troll guys that you've been fighting are like praying to her and you go down this pathway and she keeps like kind of imploring you like, no, like, you know, we're all peaceful here. Like if you don't go, we're going to have to kill you. Like you just want to come and claim my soul, but you don't know what that means. And you're like, yeah, what is, what is going on? You're kind of like, and you finally, you're kind of right. I don't know what that means. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And you get to the bottom and it's made in Australia. Who's like, you know, at the back of this horribly toxic pool. And she has this, Oh man, Jack, if you'll have to remind me of his name, but there's a silver knight. Yeah. Garl Venlin, who's in this awesome, like, unique armor set with this huge mace. And he basically comes and blocks your path, and he's like, I won't let you hurt her. Oh, let you And so you have to have this. Yeah, you have to, like, fight him. This ends here. You need, or you know, whatever, you, you know. It's... Finally beat him down. And he's, I mean, he's not hard, but he's challenging. Like, he can be really hard. Just smash you yeah, with the mace. Yeah, he can like... do a lot of damage. Like, like most guys in the game, like, he can do a lot of damage very quickly. So you just gotta be careful. Yeah. But then you, you know, you beat him and then Maiden Estrella kind of gives up. But you still have to get to her across this toxic pool, which these like gross Freaky plague babies, babies pop out of the pool. It's horrible, dude. And you get like horribly toxic if you go in there and you go in there and Maiden Estrella, you can either like slash her down or she just ends up like sacrificing herself and just offering over her soul. And it's just this weird, unique kind of set piece boss that. I've always really liked and it's yeah. another one that I can't wait to see in the remake, you know, just with the new soundtrack and the way the new area looks like it's I, the it's, souls game. Like, you know, sorry, go ahead. It's one of those bosses. What's well, not one of the, one of the bosses. It's just one of the few times in the game where you're kind of like, there's a bigger picture here that I don't understand. You know, like yeah. there's a, there's actually a lot that goes Definitely. on in the whole story of all the souls games, but it's really not told to you unless like you read, you know, all the lore in the game and you talk to all the NPCs mm-hmm. and even on top of that, it's still super vague. And so you have a bunch of people who have like put together these hour long compilations of like, this is what we yeah. know about this. This is like, you know, all the sources, like it's, it's crazy how in depth some of these people go, but like, you know, there's a huge story yeah. to all these games. And like, this is kind of a glimpse into like, that deeper story for demon souls i feel like definitely and it i i think all i want to add to this i know we're going long here i hope you don't mind jack but (laughs) i never mind going i think all i oh all i want to add (laughs) is that with the you know how dramatic this is in the music i think it really informed something like uh gwen's boss fight and dark souls you know with just the piano Mm -hmm. and Something that kind of re, you know, it reshapes how what you think of the boss and like what's going on. And so I, this, I've always really loved this, this boss fight. And it's, yeah, it, it's great. Again, not hard. It's kind of interesting that like a lot of these end bosses aren't super hard, but you know, then you go all the way back to the, you know, Bolitaria the first Archstone to Boltaria. And you go kind of to like the main palace. I think all I really remember from the first part is that like the soldiers have killed a dragon and they're like standing on top of it and they start shooting arrows <laughs> at you. And then there are like, I don't think they're phantoms. They might be, but they're like three knights. Yeah, there's a lot of soldiers. There. There's a lot of like tough knights. I think they have red eyes. Mm-hmm. 
I want to say. Mm. They're not red phantoms, though. Um, and there's a couple yeah. of those jesters here, too, who, like, shoot flames at, like, yeah, flames at you and stuff like yeah. that and are laughing. And, <laughs> and they're, yeah, they're always really annoying to kill, which is great because after you kind of proceed through this area, you kind of go through, like, a little township and stuff. Uh, you end up against the fight with the penetrator, who's this guy. You see this jester, like, you know, he goes into, like, this big, like, uh, I don't know, like, palace entrance. Yeah. And the penetrator just stabs him, picks him up on the sword, and, like, throws (laughs) throws his body. And it is, like, it's pretty intense. Uh, I will say, for how cool the penetrator is just this knight with this, like, giant, like, slim straight sword. He's almost like He's not that hard. He's, like, the adverse of the tower knight. Yeah. And you kind of learn that, like, I think what's cool about this is that you learn that, like, the Phalanx, the Penetrator, and the Tower Knight are, like, demon forms of three, like, original knights, who I do believe you fight, like, in some phantom form next to the dragon. Um, But, yeah, the Penetrator, for those who haven't played Demon Souls, he kind of reminds me of, like, Artorius a little bit. Like, there's definitely that vibe going on. Mm-hmm. Artorius is way cooler, I think. But, uh, yeah, get past the Penetrator. And this is where you can then see kind of the ending storyline for, um, is it Ostrava? I don't, yes, what's his name? Ostrava. The, the knight? Yeah, because there's this knight you meet early on, and he's basically trying to go find the king. He, he's like, is his he the dad, son right? of the king? Yeah, I think, I think it's yeah. his dad. And he's like, I need to go find him, because he's like, is he going mad? And you, he's basically kind of useless. Like, you're always helping him out of trouble. And you find him at the end, and he's basically like, hey, I saw my dad, and I couldn't do it. And then he ends up dying, and then he comes back as a phantom, and you have to fight him. So it's, it's kind really of another, sad. Like, sombering little moment. Yeah. Because, like, it's, it's weird how this game, like, makes you care about characters like that when, like, there really isn't much that goes on. You know, it's just as a guy, you save him two mm-hmm. or three times, you know, and then, like, he talks to you a lot. You know, he's really earnest in his dialogue, and it's like whenever he's, like, yeah. Like, I've failed, you know, it was like and dies, and then you have to fight him. You're like, I don't I don't want to fight him. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, this sucks. <laughs> so it's it's yeah. a cool little it's a cool little part, for sure. Yeah. And then so while not the last boss, I will I do think the uh false king Alant is, you know, the true last boss of the game, yeah. just difficulty wise. Um very cool boss. Very cool. I will say that this boss, for me, as far as, like, ending bosses go, maybe with the exception of, like, some of the Bloodborne DLC, is... Well, Bloodborne in general, I think, has a has a hard final boss as well. But uh, False King Alant is, like, a pain. He has this attack where he can, like, grab you and literally drain soul levels from you, which I know, like, in my head, that's really cruel and annoying for He'd be like, oh, hey, man, I just spent 72,000 souls to make my strength, you know, whatever number. And he's like, nope, I'm just going to drain that back to whatever. <laughs> and you're like, no. <laughs> like, that's, like, that's kind of horrifying, but it makes the boss fight really uh, challenging and difficult. And he has, like, this cool sword. Jack, what do you remember from this boss fight? Did you, do you remember it being hard? So I don't I don't really remember King Alon all too much because I, I don't even beat Demon Souls, I think, two times. Um, I didn't do but like mm-hmm. a lot of the new games with it, but he definitely, I remember him, he moves around a lot. And yeah. 
for me though, I think he, it's another one of those fights that like he can either go really hard or it's kind of just you know, yeah, it's not easy, but you know, it's not difficult. So it's um, mm-hmm. I think a lot of these bosses in this game, if you if you have someone else with you, makes it a lot easier. Um, yeah, to pull attention. So I will say, like, if you want the true Souls experience, I would encourage you to do it these fights solo. But if you're just really struggling, don't sacrifice your fun for trying to do it solo. Yeah. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. Um, it's definitely... King Alon is a very cool boss and a lot better than the actual last boss of the game. Not that the actual last boss yeah. is bad, but it's just, like, not an actual... <laughs> it's not an actual boss so yeah you defeat king alant you've collected powerful souls go back to the nexus and the maiden is basically like all right i'll take you to the old one now really cool cutscene where the sword falls from this huge statue through like the spirit block entrance mm-hmm. that's like you've been standing on and the maiden in black grabs your hand and you guys jump down this huge tunnel and it almost seems like you go like it's to another dimension or like another, because it you just fall for a long time and you end up on this like beach. And the old one, I I really love the design of the old one. It's like this huge demon that's like made out of like these collected branches and like brambles and has all these like weird like metallic things sticking out of them that have these designs at the end. Um, and he basically settles on the shore and you walk into the mouth of the old one with a maiden and in there you find the the true version of king alant who's just this weird sludge guy <laughs> you just, yeah. just beat him down <laughs> he's really easy uh again this is where the game you know the story kicks in and you actually have two options here to where you can kind of use yourself to lull the old one back to sleep or you can kill the maiden and I don't know if you claim the soul of the old one or what, but you basically don't stop the demon scourge. Um, either game doesn't, I mean, you get, you know, whatever ending, but one's a good ending and a bad ending. Maybe. I mean, like there's, you know, of course I think you could argue either way, but mm-hmm. yeah, that, that ends the first uh, playthrough of demon souls. And, you know, I have to say it's definitely like a weird fight to have like right at the end, but man, what a game. Like, what a cool and interesting game that, like we said at the start of this conversation, was not received very well and ended up being one of my favorite games of all time. Yeah, so. it was. It's. I was looking up earlier whenever uh, I was reading the article to kind of read up on it a little bit. And, like, it was, like, basically kind of like a sleeper hit. Like, they sold a small amount of initial copies and then, like, word of mouth basically kind of did all the rest of it it was it's, it's weird how right. it, like because i remember like i saw it you know from our cousin michael then we played it then i remember telling my friends about it and i'm sure you told your friends about it and like i think it like that's how basically the soul series started was people just like spreading yeah. it by you know word of mouth and it was like that's cool because that doesn't really happen anymore so it's i'm very thankful that you know we've gotten to see all the Souls games we have because Demon yeah. Souls ended up becoming like a huge success. Yeah. Um, I, you know, before we kind of end up here, there's, 
a couple like interesting things. Of course, we've already mentioned the music. The music in the game is great. Um, Lore-wise, there's a broken archstone. That's kind of interesting. That leads to a place called the Northern Limit, which is like the land of giants and weird like beastmen. Just more story stuff. It's just you know, kind of there to be like, oh, well, what's that? There's an optional boss named Old King Doran or Dorian. I don't quite remember what it was, but it he's like, Doran. but he's wearing like this weird, like uh, almost like he's like a Greek statue like armor. Yeah. He's really challenging, and he's, like, holding, like, a piece of one of the swords, because there's basically two swords. There's, like, a soul brant and demon brant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so there's that. I mean, he's optional. <laughs> and I remember it's, like, he's just challenging. Like, he does, like, so much damage. Just, like, hurts you a lot anyways. But, you know, we talked about tendency and multiplayer, and I think that's kind of all I have had or all I have for... I mean- that's kind of everything um, and it's crazy that this is our second longest episode (laughs) yeah i mean it kind of makes you want to go back and play dark souls and then do an episode on dark souls and all that kind of stuff yeah i mean i definitely think it's in the future that we'll do you know dark souls and dark souls 2 which i know people don't like but i think is a fine game bloodborne which is yeah yeah honestly bloodborne might be might be my favorite i I just I bet, really I'm like Bloodborne you. a lot, but I played both. I played both, and then so uh, Dark Souls three, which again is kind of like Dark Souls two. I don't think it's amazing, but it's definitely not bad. And then Sekiro, which oh, that's I think is great. And Charlie. then I, I mean, Dark Souls three. I, anyways, that's a conversation for yeah. another time. <laughs> and then you know, looking on the future in the horizon to Elden Ring, which just as excited for, and it's one of those games that you know I don't play. You know, a lot of games that come out nowadays, but when that game yeah. comes out, that's one of the ones I'll have right away, and I'll be playing right away. So <laughs> definitely, I mean, it's uh, yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a bunch of ones we can talk about in this, and I think it would be cool to go through and kind of do a deep dive into each of them, like we did with Demon Souls. Um, but we'll we'll definitely give you guys a bit of a break, you know, prior to <laughs> yeah. like we'll probably intersperse them out. So just expect those yeah. in the coming months and. uh Charlie, I think, I think that's it. I mean, do you want to close us off here? Do you want me to? What would you like? Yeah. No, I'll go ahead and close us out here. Well, everyone, thank you for joining us on this episode of the Racketeer Collection, Chapter Fourteen, all about Demon Souls. If you guys love these kind of deep dives, I love doing them. It's always fun to talk about. Um, it's one of those things where I'm sure. Jack would agree with me that, you know, we start these and we always kind of want them to be around an hour, but this one, it just is like, there's so much to talk about and so much more we could have added, you know, but we, we try to keep them relatively short, but I love doing them. So if you guys love hearing them, just let us know. Um, you can get a hold of us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. If you want to have questions or if you want to contribute to the show, message us on any of those and since we're so small, we could be talking about you. Yeah, that's right, you. We could be talking about it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and thank you to... <laughs> just cut it, cut it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just want I'm so sorry. No, go ahead. We're actually listening back to some old ones. We are getting better at not talking over each other or like interrupting as much. Yeah. <laughs> we are getting better at it. It is slow. Yeah. But I do want to say that I think what we're going to start doing here on Patreon pretty soon is... um doing some oh hi rukia 
doing some Patreon exclusive <laughs> like short episodes, answering some questions and also getting some really kind of close personal feedback. So, guys, if you want to go yeah. subscribe on the Patreon, um, you know, five dollars a month, ten bucks, whatever, you, whatever you can do, would really appreciate it. Um, yeah, you know, we'll be doing some shorter episodes on there just for the patrons only uh mainly yeah just answering <laughs> questions and maybe doing like some small topics you know yeah just depends so maybe you know three hour long deep dives about things that only a few people care about you know yeah. whatever, whatever, whatever you want that was a yeah um i've never heard you make that sound before <laughs> you you kind of beat me to it i was just gonna say uh thank you to all our patrons uh support's very much appreciated Thank you to Tyler Cunningham for the intro music, and thank you for listening. As always, we will talk to you soon. My name's Charlie, and I've been joined by Jack. And uh, hey, everybody, stay warm out there. Don't catch the vid. It could kill you. <laughs> <laughs>